Best things in life are free, but you can give them to the birds and bees. I want money. That's what I want. That's what I want. Yeah, different take on the intro, but hey, it worked for Ben Steiner when he did the game show. What is up, people? This is the Shark Attack. I am Sean Williams. We got a lot of talk about wrestling-wise, so with that being said, let's get to it. It's time for a mic drop. Let the battle come Normally, for most wrestling shows, they would start with Monday Night Raw, since it is the quote-unquote flagship show. But, there is no way you can talk wrestling without taking a look at the, the big news that Fox seems to be, right now, the front-runner to be the new home for SmackDown. And that Fox paid big time for it. And, you know, I've heard, I've heard on Wrestling Reality, I've heard on from my boy Brian Waters, you know... I don't see Fox making this kind of deal without if without having it on prime time on a regular channel. They're not going to settle for putting it on Fox Sports 1 or anything like that. They want they want to be sure that they're going to get mad ratings for this. And otherwise they wouldn't be paying through the nose like they are for this. Now of course the big question is what about Raw? Because, yeah, they're making this bidding war for SmackDown, but is that going to include both shows? Nobody seems to have an answer for that right now, but I will say this. I don't see Raw staying on the USA Network. Not for much longer, anyway. But if it does, if it does leave to a different channel, can't we please knock it down to two hours? I'm sorry. Look, I get that it's an advertising thing and maybe they rake in more revenue that way, but three hours is just too much. Most of the people I know that watch Raw nowadays, they fast forward, they record it and then fast forward through it. Because they just, it's too much. Raw is just too much to watch for three straight hours. And WCW tried that with Nitro and in the long run it didn't work for them either. Look, three hours or four hours is good for a pay-per-view, but it's too much to watch on a weekly basis. I mean, if you're able to do that, more power to you, but the fact is is that there is a such thing as overkill. Contrary to popular belief, there that is such a thing. Elsewhere with SmackDown, speaking of SmackDown, actually, I've seen it. I heard them say it, and I still cannot believe it. Daniel Bryan versus Samoa Joe in a Money in the Bank qualifier. Let me repeat that. Daniel Bryan versus Samoa Joe on SmackDown. Winner goes to Money in the Bank. Now, originally this was going to be Samoa Joe versus Big Cass, but Big Cass apparently in a live show got hurt again. If you include in NXT when he got hurt, this is the third leg injury that he's gotten. I mean, it's going to start to wonder, or lead people to wonder, if he's just injury prone. 
And, I mean, nobody's really shedding any tears over it. Ever since he came back and was being a heel character again, let's face it, stale as it was getting, at least when he was with Enzo, he at least had character. He at least was giving us something different for a big guy. Now he's got nothing. Now he's just any other big guy, like, test. And stuck with the, and just is stuck with whatever the heck he's trying to be. So he can kick a guy's head off? We've seen plenty of that. It's just not working out right now. But the silver lining is maybe the injury will actually benefit him some. You know, i got to say, anybody that thinks that Finn Balor can't hang with the big guys needs to watch that match he had with Braun Strowman because they actually put on a pretty decent match. And good shine, or show of respect from Braun Strowman when he helped up Finn Balor and leaned him against, leaned him in the corner as a sign of respect. Let's hope that this leads to something big in the future for Finn Balor, because honestly, I feel like he's just floundered ever since he came back from injury. It's like they don't know what to do, what to do with him. I gotta tell you, look, looking ahead to the next NXT TakeOver, the only match that I'm looking forward to so far is is Velveteen Dream versus Ricochet. I have no doubt in my mind those two are going to steal the show. I mean, it says pretty big... It says something pretty big and pretty major when The Rock, of all people, calls a guy like Ricochet the future. As far as I'm concerned, that means everything. Lars Sullivan versus Aleister Black could, couldn't care less. And, you know, I gotta say that one of the most intriguing and entertaining stories that I think NXT is doing right now is between Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. I mean, Ciampa has always been strong as a heel. Look at his days in Ring of Honor. He just knows how... He just knows what he's doing. And he really is doing an amazing job at getting that NXT crowd hating him. And in NXT, has there ever been a, a face who has been more cheered for and more loved by the fans than Johnny Gargano? I mean, whether you call him Johnny Wrestling, whether you call him the whole shebang, the fact is is that he is just probably the most overfaced that has ever set foot into NXT. I mean, if you could, if you want to argue that point, go ahead, but I'd be hard-pressed to find anybody that was as good as him. Elsewhere, elsewhere. here is the matches as it stands for Money in the Bank. The Women's Money in the Bank, Ember Moon versus Charlotte Flair versus Alexa Bliss versus Becky Lynch versus now, as of this, these three just advanced as of this week, Natalia versus Lana versus Naomi, and one more to be determined. In my opinion, it's got to be Sasha Banks well, it has to be Sasha Banks. I just can't see how you have a women's money in the bank without her in it. The men's one, however. You have Braun Strowman, Finn Balor, The Miz, Rusev, Bobby Roode, Kevin Owens, and one of the members of New Day, and the winner of Daniel Bryan versus Samoa Joe. AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura was made official, and it will be a last man standing match. 
The Raw women's title will be Nia Jax defending the, the title against Ronda Rousey. Carmella versus Asuka for, for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Roman Reigns versus Jinder Mahal. Grown on that one. And the Bludgeon Brothers taking on the new number one contenders, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson, for the SmackDown tag titles. You know, I don't know which I'm more worried about with Roman Reigns versus Jinder Mahal. The fact that it is Roman Reigns versus Jinder Mahal, or the fact that you're doing this in Chicago, and with how, how unforgiving and how relentless that crowd can be, they'll eat those two alive. As, and as I've said before regarding the women's title matches, I think one of the titles will change hands, but not both. And I honestly think it would take a miracle for Carmella to actually get past Asuka. I mean, I know some people would say, again, I know some people would say, well, what if she gets help? Who? The Iconics? Trust me. However many people she would bring to help her and actually get her to the win over Asuka... I can guarantee you this. She couldn't bring enough. There's not enough people because Asuka is just a one-woman wrecking machine. And AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura in the last man standing match. I think we may finally be getting the, the match between these two that we've been aching for since WrestleMania. Not that the match at WrestleMania was good. It was just a really slow-paced. And I think... Maybe because of the excitement over it, we expected a lot more than what we got. But we didn't. And if you're wondering why I haven't talked that much about Raw, well, believe me. Well, aside from the Fox Sports or the Fox deal for SmackDown, well, I was waiting to get to that. But here is our who's in charge over there moment. Who's in charge over there? This is aggravating me now. What, I can't count on you people? I have seen plenty of bad segments in pro wrestling as a fan. I've seen the big boss man forcing, eh, tricking Al Snow into eating a, a steak that he claimed was Al Snow's beloved dog. I've seen the earthquake smeh, do the vertical splash onto the bag that contained Damien the snake the python that belonged to Jake the Snake Roberts. I have seen the Kate Vick angle. I have, I have seen people decked out like Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, and Bill Clinton fighting each other. I've even seen the three, or three actors as the three stooges, and then the guy being curly, Will Sasso, starts doing a very bad Hulk Hogan impression. I have seen numerous bad segments in my days as a wrestling fan. But I don't think anything, anything could be worse than the Sami Zayn with Bobby Lashley's quote-unquote sisters segment that we saw on Raw. I mean, this is a segment where, I mean, look, even if you watched it the first time, it's so horrible that you would rather just drive your head through the TV then watch it again. Like, not even a second of it because there's just nothing redeeming about it. And it's not the fault on Sami Zayn. I actually have been enjoying Sami Zayn as a heel. But 
how is this supposed to benefit Bobby Lashley in terms of building him? I mean, given, in terms of character, the guy's as flat and bland as a rice cake, but come on. You just gotta be kidding me. This is really the best you can do? It's like, it's funny. It's like, for the WWE, when they're good, they're good. But when they bad, when they are bad, oh, Nelly, are they bad. Alright, that being said, I'm going to give myself a little little breather, people. So I'm going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. This is Brian H. Waters, co-host of The Wrestling Realm, and the host of Break It Down with Brian H. You're listening to The Shark Attack with Sean Williams. That was my good friend, Brian H. Waters. Make sure you check out his show, Break It Down, featured on Podbean, and also on YouTube and on iTunes as well as the wrestling realm, him and his good good friend, and also a good friend of mine, Mr. Real Deal Dwayne Allen. They, Those two are just wrestling knowledge personified, and you won't find a better better group of guys that know, know their thing when it comes to wrestling. Now, is, now one, one guy that I'm anxious to see what WWE is truly going to do with him and it's funny because it seems to be the one source of a common ground that Triple H and Vince seem to have is Drew McIntyre. Vince is reportedly pretty high on Drew McIntyre, and apparently so is Triple H. So it definitely solidifies that that him and Dolph Ziggler as a tag team is definitely a temp solution. I mean, if there's one thing we can say about Drew McIntyre, compare his first run in the WWE to the way he is now, Drew has matured. He's gained experience. And not to mention now, you give him the mic and just let him go full throttle, oh, he will dazzle you with what, what he can do on the microphone. Not to mention, he's added more moves in his arsenal. He's not as reckless as he was before. Trust me, the guy has world champion written all over it. And I guarantee you, we will see that guy as a world champion. Alright, poll question that I started. I'm going to be on my Facebook group posting a poll question where I will ask the question and those of you that are part of the group, throw in your comments for the answer and I will read your responses to it on the air. Now, the the question I asked for tonight is, which was worse? The Sami Zayn-Bobby Lashley sister segment, the Bobby Lashley sit-down interview from a couple weeks ago, or the Bailey This Is Your Life segment? First one we got up is a friend of mine, Billy James, who his response was simply the Sami Zayn-Bobby Lashley segment. And... Patrick Mercier, a friend of mine from up north, longtime friend, he has said, I didn't think anything would be worse than Bailey, This Is Your Life, but that was before Monday. So, seems unanimous that there is no segment that is more hated universally than that Sami Zayn, Bobby Lashley segment that we got on Monday. I mean, here's the thing. There are no... You cannot bl- blame the wrestler for a bad, badly written segment. 
You just can't. The Bailey This Is Your Life segment with Alexa Bliss. Yeah, it was god-awful, but you can't fault Alexa Bliss on that one. She's she's the one doing her job, and frankly, they're, they're wrestlers. They're not magicians. You can't expect them to pull a miracle. They're not going to pull some rabbit out of a hat when they know they have, have just a steaming pile of, man, of manure of a, of a segment that they're trying to make look like it's this pile of gold when it's just nothing but a pile of garbage. So, nowhere do I fault Sami Zayn for how bad that segment was. It was a bad choice, it was a segment that should have been, shouldn't have been done, and unfortunately, it does nothing to help Bobby Lashley if you're trying to build him up to main event caliber. I mean, say what you want about TNA, at least they did, they did go for, go for broke with Bobby Lashley, for better or for worse. So on social media, apparently Enzo Amore is debut, <laughs> showing some new look. He actually looks shaven, but still looks about the same. As far as, and you know, as far as what his next move's going to be, hey, if he can find a job somewhere, <laughs> good luck with it. But the fact is, is that WWE is not going to give him another chance anytime soon. And frankly, they're glad to be rid of him. When you, he handled his situation poorly and acted like an immature teenager. So trust me when I tell you, WWE is not looking to hire him back and are probably never going to hire him back anytime soon. Saw an article on WrestleZone that, where the headline was, relive the, the dominating debut of Monty Brown when he was in TNA. Those that, Here's the thing. He was one of those guys that was there when I first started watching TNA, when I thought there was a glimmer of hope with that promotion. Monty Brown was not exactly the best talker. He wasn't exactly the best wrestler either. But when it came to his signature move, the pounce, oh, that was a sight to watch. He would hit that, and you'd see guys like bounce off the ropes or even off the turnbuckles, depending on where he hit it. Keep in mind, at the time, they had the six-sided ring. And that was the only thing that was impressive to watch. I mean, that it was definitely something that made the spear look like just a slap on the wrist. I was listening to 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff, where he's talking about working with Vince Russo. And basically, I mean, let me say this. I felt less irritated than I did when I was listening to the show where he was talking about when Bret Hart signed with WCW. But he basically referred to Vince Russo as a one-trick pony. But he also clarified that the AOL Time Warner deal was what truly killed WCW. It wasn't him, and it wasn't Vince Russo either. Maybe Vince Russo wasn't the one that killed WCW, but he sure as hell didn't help it. I mean, the way he hijacked the whole world title situation, basically screwed over Hogan and Bischoff and just change the story up right right when they couldn't do anything about it. I mean, that didn't exactly help matters. And let's also not forget when they put the world title on David Arquette. That is just a move that's going to live in infamy forever. 
no matter how they try to sugarcoat or defend that one. You know, I gotta say, looking at Raw, I'm not as against the match of Ronda Rousey versus Nia Jax like I thought it was going to be. I mean, it is Ronda's second match and her first singles match, officially. But I think the only problem I have is that we don't know who exactly is supposed to be the heel, who's supposed to be the face here. I mean, the easy answer is to say they're, it's two faces colliding, but yeah, but sometimes having two faces collide can be a little on the boring side. I mean, you haven't had Nia as a face for very long, and WWE does seem invested in her. But I don't know how you're going to get anybody to boo Ronda Rousey. Not saying she's not capable of getting that kind of heat. I'm just saying I don't know if it's too soon for that to happen either. And I'm wondering if um, if Stephanie injecting herself into the contract signing segment was because they're not exactly experts on the microphone just yet. Hmm, it's possible. And let me say this, I think that um, when I mentioned Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson are challenging the Bludgeon Brothers for the tag team titles, I like that Gallows and Anderson are getting a shot at something because, frankly, they haven't been doing anything lately. And I feel it's a waste considering the talent on those two guys. I mean... Another team you could say that came from NXT and that WWE doesn't seem to know what they're doing with them is the Revival. I mean, given they've been injured, so I get that that can happen. But the fact is is that you're there is talent in there, but it's like something is missing. <laughs> and you want to talk about somebody that's missing, take a look at the Authors of Pain. Well... You could, if they were actually on Raw the last couple weeks, which they haven't been. You know, I can't help but wonder if bringing up the Authors of Pain from NXT to the main roster was a mistake. I mean, you had them ditch Paul Ellering, which, unless he didn't want to travel anymore, I think that move was a definite mistake. But, because Ekam and Rezar are, no, are not talkers. They're just two big bruisers, and that's really all there is to it with that team. So I don't, I don't think you should have brought them up just yet, especially when you could have had them and War Machine ha have, a, have a match, which I would easily welcome. And I, at this point, I think for Andrade, Cien, Almas... Because right now, you're just having him beat a bunch of tackling dummies on SmackDown. You have to have him go for something. Go for something meaningful. A feud, a belt. I'm not saying have him go after AJ's belt, but you gotta have him do something. Otherwise, you're better off leaving him in NXT. I mean, having Selena Vega gives an advantage, because, well, having a beautiful woman next to a guy is is enough to draw people's attention. Back to what I was saying about Roman Reigns and Jinder Mahal and how it's in Chicago and how unforgiving that crowd can be. If you think that that, that crowd won't walk out on that match, think again. 
Chicago loves to get themselves involved. They love to voice their opinion on their like or dislike about something. And a lot of times it's mostly dislike. So if you want some advice, WWE, on how to handle Jinder Mahal versus Roman Reigns, I would say put it on the pre-show, but that's never going to happen. Or open with it, because you sure as heck are not going to have that crowd stick around if you close the show with that match. You have one person that they don't like in Jinder Mahal versus somebody that they really don't like in Roman Reigns. So do the math on that one. But trust me, don't close the show. You, because you guaranteed, guaranteed you'll regret it. All right. Now that being said, let's go to from the mouth of the shark. Smile, you son of a bitch. Rest in peace, Chief Brody. The late great Roy Scheider. Swear that part in that movie, Jaws, does not get old. All right, from the mouth of the shark. So, this is where I will, if I will answer questions that I post on my group or that are messaged to me, and I'll, and of course I will also give some some words of wisdom of my own before calling it. Now, Patrick Messier t- sent me this where he asked, "What in the hell were they thinking with the Lashley sister segment on last night?" And why does, um, I'm trying not to curse so much on this show, so I'm gonna, gonna try and edit out that part. So why, and why does crap like that keep happening? Well, I think the best explanation I can really give for it, not condoning it or defending it, mind you, because I hated that segment too, is that on top of every good idea, you have to get a boatload of bad ones too. And unfortunately... They just hit one doozy of a bad one. I mean, there is really no silver lining with that segment. Even the most loyal of WWE fans could not like that segment. It was awful. So, as bad as that segment was, you look at that and the one silver lining I think you can think of is it's hard to think of something that would be even worse. Next question comes from my good buddy Brian Waters. Who is next in line for the NXT title? Alright, that's really a tough one. You have a whole buffet table full of rich talent for pro wrestlers in NXT. So, I have to kind of break, break down the ones I see with that potential before I can actually give the proper answer. You know, there's a, so many names for me to really go through for NXT and who I think will be the next one to win the NXT title. So I'm going to go over a few of them. But of course, this one really needs no introduction. And he's known throughout most of the wrestling universe by four simple words. Come on, honestly, those of you that know me and know how I've watched Ring of Honor, did you really think I was going to go through that without talking about Adam Cole? 
who is a personal favorite of mine, and one that I myself deemed as the future in the two times where I've interviewed him when I was first doing a podcast. He just want, strikes me as one of those guys, and even Triple H has commended him about about his style, that he just personifies just everything that they're looking for in somebody who he's not even he hasn't even hit his prime yet. He's still young, he's still got plenty in the tank, and yet he can act he can have the crowd eating it out of his hand, as was demonstrated with those clips of them just saying his name and adding in bay bay right at the end. It's just how good he is. I know right now he's sporting the NXT North American title, but there's one thing that I thought with that belt is that it was a stepping stone to the actual NXT belt for those that needed that elevation. But given, Adam Cole doesn't really need it, but any gold that he has is golden, and I definitely see him at some point with that belt. It's just a matter of when it'll happen. So I think it would narrow it down to three people, actually, that I see as potential candidates for winning the NXT title this year. One is Adam Cole, Bebe. The other is Ricochet, because truthfully, I feel like half, more than half of the moves that he does and his charisma just leaves you in awe. It just defies belief. It's just ridiculous how good this guy is. And I think he can only get better. And the last one that I think has the potential is Johnny Gargano. Because if there's one guy that I think is as over, if not more, than a guy like Ricochet or a guy like Adam Cole, it's most definitely Johnny Gargano. That crowd loves him, and they absolutely despise Tommaso Ciampa because of Johnny Gargano. So, I would say those are my top three, and that's the best I can do, but I wish I could do more than that, but one thing I can say for certain that I feel strongly about, and this was mentioned loosely with the next NXT TakeOver event, Lars Sullivan is not going to be the NXT champion. Honestly, there is no way that you're that they're going to have Aleister Black drop the belt to a to a bald bearded version of well basically a hybrid man child of Gene Snitsky and Brockus. So trust me, it's not going to happen. Aleister Black is not dropping the belt to that big goof. Next and last question also from Brian Waters. When do you see Flip Gordon wearing ROH gold? That's another good question. I mean, at this, I mean, at this point, they, I mean, I would like it if by the end, usually I've made a prediction that by the end of the year with Ring of Honor, at usually at final battle, is when some a new champion has been crowned. And more times I've been right, because that was when Kyle O'Reilly beat Adam Cole for the ROH title. But 
yeah, I'm going to stick with Final Battle would be when we finally see some kind of gold on Flip Gordon. Because he... I mean, he's another one that's a talent, and... I want to think that they... that ROH has some kind of plan for him. If there's one thing I can't... I'm also sure about with Ring of Honor, I just don't see Dalton Castle hanging on to the Ring of Honor title by the... By the time Final Battle rolls around. Look, I gave it a fair chance. I'm just not that impressed. Not that impressed with it. And it's not so much a fault on Dalton Castle or his character. Far from it. It's just the fact that a champion is only as good as the competition that he has. And I don't really see a whole plateau of competition or challengers for Dalton Castle. And by that I mean guys that they've built up to be contenders for him. I'm just not seeing it. Anyway, people, that's all we got for tonight. I want to thank you again for listening. I'll be back next week with more stuff. And of course, tune in later this week when I talk when I have the next episode of Variety Bites. I'll be talking the Flash finale. And of course, more stuff in entertainment and sports, especially the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs. Congratulations, by the way, to the Washington Capitals for finally jumping over another hurdle and going to the Stanley Cup Finals. So now it'll be the Knights versus the Capitals. Will the new new upstart team become become the first ones to bring home a championship to Nevada? Or will Alexander Ovechkin finally get that ring he's been practically salivating over and been denied his whole career? I would call that a win-win situation, but we'll see what happens, and I'll save the rest of that for Variety Bites. Until then, this has been The Shark Attack. I am Sean Williams, and people, I am out of here. Good night now.